Welcome to the Church Sound Podcast. I'm your host, Prentice Thompson, along with the pastor, Caleb Winley. We're here to help you get through Sunday. Was it too loud? Did, did you have feedback? Were the musicians too loud? Could you not hear the pastor? Well, we're here to help you with that. We provide audio solutions for all of your spiritual gatherings. So let's learn something. Huh? Let's go. Welcome to the Church Sound Podcast. I'm your host, Prentice Thompson, along with the pastor, Pastor Caleb Winley, who's on sabbatical right now. He's expecting, and we're going to wish him the best and um, going to keep it moving. But I have a very, very, very special guest in the building. I'm going to read his bio. I, I didn't know it was this deep, you know. <laughs> Brother got me reading college words and stuff like that, you know. Anyway, our esteemed guest today... First, let's talk about the topic. The topic we're going to talk about is involving youth into multimedia industry, uh, um, ministry. He's the perfect person for it. Perfecto. So Joshua Head is a stellar award-winning producer and songwriter who produced an album in 2019 that debuted at the top five of the gospel billboard charts. Joshua Head is also the founder and owner of Head Straight Entertainment, a media company focusing on technology, music industry development, consultation, and youth career mentorship programs. He runs a program in Hampton Roads called EMA Music and Arts, which reaches more than 1,000 youth each year using music, technology, and multimedia. EMA Music and Art combines music, computer technology, leadership training, mentorship to teach and expose children, teens, and young adults to various skills. EMA is held at the community centers and schools and churches and other partners in the city. His award-winning program, EMA Music and Arts, has won numerous awards, endorsements, including a feature from the American Library Association, television appearances on PBS TV. Joshua Head is nationally acclaimed writer, producer, and educator, and a skillfully trained musician. He's a three-time nominee of the Stellar Gospel Awards, including the Children's Projects of the Year. He's also won a stellar in 2011, which I was there, for his children's project, Kingdom Kids Worldwide. His fun, interactive musical CD, DVD, along with other published music are, are distributed in more than 50 major cities in, in the U.S. Praise for his expertise in, in reaching and teaching youth in the community. Joshua Head has appointed, was appointed by the city. Hampton City Council to serve on several boards, including the Hampton Arts Commission, the Neighborhood Commission, and the Union Commission. Head has written and developed children choir curriculum for EMI Urban Ministry Incorporated, which offers more than forty thousand churches. Which offered more than forty thousand churches worldwide. He's also a distinguished faculty of the Hampton University Ministers Conference, and he's a formal national. Um, faculty for the GMWA. He lives in Virginia, where I lived before. He's married with two children, which I know very well. And he's volunteered at, with at-risk children, risk teens, and several major organizations all over the East Coast as part of his commitment to truly give back to the community. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, please welcome my true brother, Joshua Head. Good, man. How's it going? Man... I'm out of breath. I'm out of breath. Man, it's crazy. I'm out of breath. I'm like, good lord. Man, Where did that, all this come from? Where was I when all this was going on? What's going on? Man, I'm t it's crazy because um, when you're when you're doing the work and you're serving and you're helping people, 
some of these opportunities pop up. And it, it's interesting because uh, of your topic, utilizing young people. And so that's been my focus. And I think that as I focused more and more in that area and just tuned out everything else, mm-hmm. uh, there, were, there was some space that I was able to carve that um, didn't have a lot of, um, I shouldn't say competition, but there just wasn't a lot of people in the space. And there haven't been a lot of people in the space in which I work. And um, But I enjoy it. I enjoy just mentoring young people that that's my my uh, my short version of it is giving everything that I can and excellence to try to help someone else who happens to be younger than me because right. there are many people in these urban communities that are young that don't have any positive inspiration. So right. that's what all this is. Really right, positive. right, right. Well, I like to um, attribute it to your heart. That's that's pretty much your heart. And when you follow your heart, you follow your passion. It makes things a lot easier because things will flow a lot simpler for you because you're not you're not working to do it. Yeah. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's part of you. It's part of who you are. It's part of who God made you to be. Yeah. So. But people don't know is that um, me and Josh have been working together for a really long time. Too long. Um, really long time on a lot of different levels. Yeah. Mentorship. Um, being an engineer and him being an MD, yeah. doing shows together, doing doing camps together, tons of stuff, tons of stuff. Watching mm-hmm. his daughters grow up, which I'm completely floored by. That oh, they're doing music, and I'm just I remember there was little girls, yeah. you know, babies, babies, and um. So it's it's really it's really been a blessing to kind of watch them yeah. grow up and. Watch, watch my brother expand his um his his lane because it's not even a lane no more. It's like a road now. <laughs> it, it's 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 God's road, you know. It's so, God's road, exactly. Yeah, so in. every show we do this segment called Sunday School. Now Sunday School is the funny stories that we share amongst each other that happen in church, um, and I know. I have a hundred of these. He got he got a he got a few hundred of these. So with that being said, I'm gonna open the flow up with Joshua Head for Sunday school. Okay, class is time. Time for Sunday school. So here's the thing. It's you know, I've I've grown in appreciation for older people. Um, in their experience, and many times it's come through a lot of uh, just hilarious interactions. And so, um, long story short, I brought in Pete and um, to the church, and it's clear they needed a lot of help. And I was the MD, so my focus, you know, the choirs, the music, the band, there's plenty enough there. And so I'm like, man, we just help these people out. I mean, they're good people; they have a good heart. They just don't know what's going on. So he comes in, and this guy is like, all right. We got this board, but we want everything to go digital. And I was just like, okay, digital, okay. So we 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 can do that. And so obviously P's in there taking them literally, like, okay, yeah, we can get a digital board. And he's looking up some, you know, digital boards. And this was like, man, at least 15 years ago. It wasn't recently. But um this guy just kept running around talking about we about to go digital. And he's gonna everything that he said, like every day, everything that he learned from P digital it's like digital <laughs> the next level and so he bring a cable in he brought in a digital cable <laughs> the cable man and like just everything he said was was digital and then this other guy um who was another uh older gentleman that i met 
um, he just was flabbergasted. Um, for those of you who don't know what it is, if you if you have to turn on the keyboard, like I, I have one here, I've got a board here, so I've got the, the most six here in, in my office. So one of those, if you're going to connect into a, a system, um, you're going to use a, a direct box, also known as the DI box. So anyway, I went to this church. I brought in these young people. We had like 10 minutes before the service, and they they had like these RCA cables. I have that's funny. I have one here. So they had this joint. <laughs> they got this RCA cable like connected to like this adapter and then it went into the board and then it like went for 50 feet to the back oh of the church. I'm God. not lying, y'all. I promise oh you I'm not. Gosh. It was like it was like going from here to a quarter inch and then it was like 50 feet of this and it went to the back and it was all this static and I'm like, yo, <laughs> we have like 10 minutes, like what? And um, he was like, well, this is how we connect the, the keyboard. And I was like, okay, have you ever heard of a, a direct box, which, you know, converts the signal to makes the signal for a keyboard to, to be clean. And he's like, what? It's like, you know, this floor, I told him. <laughs> and his whole life, man, he was like, what is this direct box? So anyway, so I show him what it is. And um, anyway, I, I had one in my bag, but I had to run out to the car. So I, I mean, I'm running full speed. There's people already packed in the place, right? So I come back, I connect the direct box, and and I said, oh, you have an XLR? He's like, what is an XLR? And I'm just like, oh my gosh. This is the head of sound for the church now. The head. Mm. Yeah. None of the his assistants knew what anyone. So yes. Like, Let me ask you this. Do you have a microphone that's connected to something that we're not using? He's like, well, since you're playing this board, like we have a microphone to go to piano. So I snatched the microphone XLR out the microphone cable out of the piano part. Mind you, this is like an SM58 in the piano. That's a, that's another discussion. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I go <laughs> oh and then I run it into the DI, right? And I already have a quarter inch going into my um board, and then everything was clean. You you could have swore I gave this man like 30 grand. He <laughs> <laughs> jumped out of the seat. Oh my god. It's so, so clean. Oh, my God. And so it still didn't end there. So this dude was like on, he was on cloud 10 all oh day. Oh, my gosh. So like a week later, I ended up getting a call from the pastor. They brought me on to do some training. And so now they want me to help train their sound people. I came there because I brought my young people, my group, the one that we were touring with, to, to minister that Sunday. That's why we were there. But this whole DI box turned into this whole thing. So I got a call from the pastor. They wanted to hire me to train everybody. It was a whole thing. Um, he was like, yeah, everybody, this is Josh. And he told me about this direct box. <laughs> and that night I went, he said he went on Google that night. He studied what a direct box was and where it came from. Oh my he ordered God. like five direct boxes. So in the future, anything goes wrong. <laughs> DI box. <laughs> That's my funny. Oh man. You know what's funny? It's like that's so atypical in churches. Yeah, yeah. Like, you get there and the person that's supposed to know something don't know nothing. And they don't know they don't know. And they don't know they don't know. <laughs> which is which is even worse because you got the blind leading the leading the one eye, the one eye monster. It's it's it's, it's horrible. Yeah. It's so terrible. let's get into the crux of the matter. Right. So what I what I consider God's order is God family, job, church. Okay. All right? Yes. People get that misconstrued, and that's where a lot of problems when people started putting church before family, job before God. Yeah. So I want to establish the order and how we're talking because we're talking about mentorship 
and how that fills in some spaces in the dynamic of God, family, job, church. All right. Yeah. So when we look at the family, according to the U.S. Um, the, the Census Bureau, there are 83.48 million families in the United States with an average consistent of 3.14 persons. Okay. All right. So a lot of families. Yes. And so when you look at families and you look at Christendom or people who just attend any type of religious service. Yeah. 23% will go 20 um, every week. 10% will go almost every week. Okay. 12% will go once about once a month. Mm-hmm. 24 will go seldom. 29% is never. And then you have 3% is like they don't have an opinion. Okay. So so a third of people are not even going. Right. So you got a third of people not even good, going. So if you had to define the importance of your immediate family and your church family, how would you define it? Man, I think, and you're talking about from the perspective of being a member or you're, you're saying it just in general? Just in general. Um, man, it's, 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 I gotta keep this 100, man. The, the, the challenge is this. Um, for someone like me, I might have a different vantage point because I've worked in the church for so many years. Mm-hmm. And the people in the church, because of my service, have become an extended family, right? Um, however, many a night, many a year, <laughs> many a year, I'm coming home at odd times to my family because I'm serving the church. I was out of balance, out of order, right? And fortunately I had a spouse who was, who had understanding, right? Mm-hmm. For, for where I was and kind of helped me through seeing that I was struggling through this process. And so the question has to deal with the importance of the family versus the church family. Mm-hmm. I've been taking advantage of personally where people saw my passion for the work of the church since I was a employee of the church. And that right. gets that gets kind of great. Yeah, so I was employed as a music director, music minister. And so they expected like the job description to, to be 70 plus hours a week mm. because my skill set was above the skill level where most of the people in multiple departments mm. were. So even though I had a job description that had, let's say, you know, 15 duties, I had the capability to do 30 to 40. And so I find myself wrestling with showing them things out of my job description, spending more than 70 hours in the church and um, affecting adversely my family at home. Right. So that was then now. OK, I had to open with that. But now I've grown from that where I ended up going full time with my company. I still serve so many churches. I think I'm, I'm serving much, many more people because I'm spread out and I'm traveling a lot. I'm in a lot of churches. But my family order um, has flipped. So it really is God, family, uh, and then job church. You know, so I'm in order now, but I was not for a good eight years at least. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't in the five months. Some people, right. I, I feel people act like they, they got it together in a day. I'm glad for y'all. But for me, it took me a good eight years to really figure out that this thing is just not right. You know, and I think part of it had to do with my age, too. When mm-hmm. I was younger, I was in my twenties when I got when I started. So I learned 
that um, it, I was being taken advantage of. Don't even know it though. In my heart. Yeah. Yeah, people take advantage of your passion and your heart. And then sometimes you're out of whack. You don't know you're out of whack until till you, till you start things, see things go awry and you're not understanding that dynamic at home, dynamic at the church. And your health. And your health. That's another thing. Dude, I remember. Yeah. I remember a defining moment when you made a decision. We were in a meeting. There was a funeral about to go on. Okay. And you basically said, I'm not doing that. Yes. And I, because, I and you had to lay down some demarking lines saying like, we're not going to take advantage of because you said I was going to do this. Doesn't mean I said I was going to do this. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting you're bringing that up because let's, let's unpack that. So I think this will help somebody. I'm glad you brought that up. The way that, and I, I use the word manipulation. I can look at it now that way. Then I didn't see it that way. But mm-hmm. if you listen to it now, you'll see it's manipulation. So what right. they said was, look, we need you to do this funeral. And obviously, I mean, I don't mind playing funerals. I've played uh, millions of them, right? So I was just like, no, I have a serious family commitment. I have to stick my guns with this. I can't change. I know that this came up and I'm not, you know, disrespect to anyone, but I really can't. I can't dodge on my family for this one. I can't. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I had whatever I committed to with my family. It was a very, very long time ago. Everybody knew I put in paperwork. It was very clear. I wasn't going to be there. And here, the, here's how they came back to me. But Josh, you know that the church family loves you. Stay with me. And in the will, that's how they said it. They proved that they wanted Josh to play for the funeral. See, that's they was picking at the heart right there. Mm-hmm. They went outside of job description. Then mm-hmm. you see what I mean. So this job description would have said, "Okay, you're technically off. Your paperwork's written, and that's it, right?" But then they tried. They pulled at the heart because they know that I'm passionate from the heart about helping people, and it still sticks with me to this day. Right? Uh, they 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 tried to manipulate, and when I say try, because it worked before, and I would I would say, you know what? I love Sister Jones and da da da. And again, mm-hmm. please don't take this the wrong way. I've done it hundreds of times. I stopped what I had committed to do as a man to my family because they used the heart conversation. Let me tell you something. And this church had, you know, somewhere around 15 to 1800 people in this particular church, right? So there's always going to be a funeral. There's always going to be something important, right? Mm-hmm. In the life of that church. But if one man has to be the answer to, 30 different things, um, then it's a matter of time before that person's going to get burnt out and they're going to get to a point where they can't function properly. Right. So that's why I'm glad you brought that up because they, they try to probe at the heart, but they were using manipulation for that. Right. Which is right. ridiculous. Right. Right. And, I, and, and, I, and, and you may not know this, but I took note to that and because they were doing the same thing to me. Okay. Because remember, um, I was, my wife was living in New York. I remember, yeah. And we were trying to transition to Virginia. Mm-hmm. It wasn't working out. And mm-hmm. I was traveling back to New York to see yeah. if we were going back and forth. The weekends, yeah. That's on right. the weekends. And seems like every Monday, it seems like it was a funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And. Yeah. That's and, right. That's right. And. And no matter how many times I would ask them, listen, I'm trying to 
I'm off. This is okay. my day off. By my job description, I'm doing. By my job, I'm doing what I'm, I'm doing. Everything I'm supposed to do. Yep. I need to go see my my wife. Remember, she was she she had a blood clot, and I had to I go. Remember all that she had health conditions. She had but health conditions. Even if she had, but even if she did, she did you know? even if she didn't, it was. Yeah. But this is the note to churches: like you have to make sure you take care of your people. Yeah. Understand that their immediate family comes before their job. Nah, man. And, and the other thing I would say is like, okay, so, you know, we always want to unpack, because we're talking about church here, so we're, we always want to unpack the word, and we go into these sermons and talk about God, family, work, right? And, you know, a man has to be a prophet of his house, and, you know, all these things that we talk mm-hmm. about and we hear about in sermons, but then when it applies to the church, it becomes a, a different item. And the reality is it should be taken more seriously. I'll, I'll use this for example. What really flipped it for me is because I, I left that job, which I was at for almost 10 years. And, uh, and to this day, they called me back for all kinds of things. Um, didn't burn any bridges. Um, I ended up going full-time with my um, organization and I'm glad that I made that move because the, the year after I resigned from there is a year I was nominated and won as my first Stella Award because I put my full attention into uh, my company, which is a whole nother show there about how mm-hmm. we <laughs> don't cast your pearls to the swine if you want to go with the Bible. But I'll, mm-hmm. I'll move on. Um, I mean, there's so much we can talk about. But the next part is I, I was doing the full time work with my company. And then I met another guy when I was doing a conference. Uh, a church conference, and I was um, speaking. I was a guest speaker talking about involving young people in the mix, involving young people in music ministry and media and all that stuff. And he was fascinated, and we we kind of hit it off. He said, "Listen, I need you to come to my church. We have three thousand members. I need you to come and train some of my leaders. I love the way your uh, thought process works with leadership." So I'm like, "Cool." So long story short, I went there, I was doing consultation and all that stuff. And it ended up being about three or four months. Things were turning around with the church and lo and behold, the pastor offered me a job, minister music job. And so for almost a whole year, I denied it and I said, no, declined it. And he just, we just kept it as a consultation. And then finally he said, Josh, listen, what would be your terms to become the minister music by title? But what would your be your terms where I would not affect your business? I would not affect your business time. Write that out as an agreement. And let's look at that. Okay. First of all, the fact that he said it that way and the fact that he meant it that way. And, and by that time, I knew him for a year. Um, I knew that he was a man that's pretty close to his word. So the fact that he said, you know what? I won't get in the way of your business. And I definitely won't get in the way of your family. So I ended up becoming... Um, the minister of music, we worked out the terms that worked out. Um, the only reason I'm mentioning that is because he really helped me see, because the church was about double the size of the last one. And he was very busy and we did a lot. I mean, we had much more staff, more music staff, more everything. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget, he, we would be in a meeting with the executives, with the leaders, et cetera. And he looked at what, um, all right, we got to wrap this up in about 15 minutes. I got to pick my wife up and take her to the mall. And like it to them, they just ignored it. Right. When he would say stuff, cause that's just who he was. 
There are times he said, you know what? He would cancel a meeting to go to his grandson's baseball game. And like, no, no one would say anything. But for me, it was so transformational because I was like, wait a second. There are pastors and leaders that get that, that understand that family is first. Right. There are times when I had things where I had to be where I was supposed to be for them. And, and you know, we talked candidly. And that's another thing. I had a good relationship with him as the pastor. And, and I wasn't a member. And he was like, um, you know, he would ask about the kids, my daughter and stuff. And I said, well, my daughter's got this and blah, blah, blah. And he said, what's the day? It's next Thursday. Make sure. He called the secretary and look, Josh is unavailable next Thursday. He has something for his daughter. Let's take everything off of his plate. That's the type of guy he was. Wow. So that helped me even more mm-hmm. to realize, number one, how serious that I should take it because he did. And he still run a successful organization. But mm-hmm. second, it showed me how much more of manipulation that that was. And I like, I didn't even know at what level that was happening to you. I knew that at some point it was happening to you, but right. we both can concur that, um, you know, <laughs> I hope this is helping somebody who's listening because too many um, musicians, mm-hmm. people, um, I see them go in the grave um, with a lot of their life undone, unfinished, because they gave so much to an organization that was their job that is a church. And right. we we gotta we gotta stop it. It's, it takes kind of bucking bucking the wheel. But mm-hmm. I encourage y'all that on the other end of it, your life is going to be better. Your family's going to benefit. Your children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You. Um, All right. So, what do you think? Um, how did music play a big part in your development? You mean from a child or like later? Later. Like far as how you, what you're doing now and how it applies to what you're doing now, man, it has everything to do with it. Um, everything from man, I mean, music for me has been such a big gift. It has really surrounded my entire life. For example, I met my wife from a music organization I was in college. Um, Many of the professionals that I work with were from connections I made from either writing, producing, or performing somewhere in some group. My organization now trains young people um, in a variety of ways, from performance to really a lot of life skill stuff and career stuff, business prep, marketing, but also just helping young people to have self-confidence about who they are and to have self-confidence about the uniqueness of their musicianship. And the reason I say that is because both of my children have been in my program, grew up in my program, and all of their friends, like all of their primary top five, 10 friends have been a part of my program. So music for me has helped my entire family, like full mm. Mm. Um, stuff like that. Um, as a business, it's allowed me to help sustain um, on ups and downs. We've had ups and downs like everybody else. Um, it hasn't been like a total win, 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 win. There have been plenty of losses, but I've learned how to be persistent and consistent. Mm-hmm. So music has definitely been a part of my life from a perspective of um, just helping me to develop as a person, as a husband, as a father, um, a person of, of faith. Um, and music has been rewarding. You know, it's it's been rewarding. It, it's helped me in, in many areas of my life. So if you had to say 
the purpose of mentorship, how would you define the, the purpose of mentorship? Mm. The purpose of mentorship is to help people because mentorship can ha happen at different levels. Um, matter of fact, in, in um, the training that we, um, a curricula that I helped develop and the training that we utilize talks about a variety of categories of mentorship. So we talk about mentorship that is from older person to younger person. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about career mentorship. We talk about life mentorship. We talk about relationship mentorship, financial mentorship, business mentorship. So I break that down and we try to help young people that and older people that we help to coach about categorizing mentorship. So I would define mentorship as um, the purpose of being something that allows someone who has more experience than the next person to gain um, to gain success by sharing experiences and sharing techniques and actions that will bring success to the person who is being mentored. So what do you think, like moving as moving into the church aspect, it's um, how do you, where do you think churches fail in that aspect when trying to bring youth into their multimedia ministry? Because I've, yeah. I've seen so many horror yeah. stories where the yeah. kids are turned off or the adults are shut down oh, yeah. or, or the pastor doesn't understand. Yeah. Um, how can how do you intermingle that and how are you able to interject that perspective yeah. when, you're, when you're consulting a, a church? Yeah, so from the um, from the media lens, and, and we can explore the other the music lens and the regular church lens. But from the media lens, um, I am convinced, with beyond the shadow of a doubt, that churches and church people who are decision makers they structure their organization that happens to be a religious based organization. But their organizations they structure their organizations. Um, with a top-down, trickle-down leadership component that does not, and when I say top-down, I'm talking usually age-wise. It's like this mm -hmm. top-down age model, which is so ridiculous. Um, it's not skills-based. You know, you have major corporations who have people in their 20s and 30s in leadership positions right. because based off their skill and it's based off of what they've proven they've been able to do in the field of study. Um, uh, many of these church organizations are built off of, since someone has been here the longer amount of years and they have this, some type of hierarchy or pool. Um, and that's where they make this mistake. Um, that's the mistake really, because well, the second mistake is that um, lack of listening. Mm -hmm. I would say what makes what we do helpful to young people and makes them open, uh, open to sharing with us, open to helping, open to participating, is that we listen, right? Um, almost more than we speak. Hmm. And the art of listening, again, you asked the last question asked about how music has um, affected my life. Well, music, the study of music helps one to understand the importance of listening. That, that's what music does. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right? The the strongest part of your physical body in music, regardless of, of voice or instrument, is the ear. And so I... Or challenge. Yeah, I, I translate that <laughs> into leadership. People that 
talk more and listen less tend not to do <laughs> very well as it relates to relationship and organizational management. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the problem. Um, young young people have skills, talents, perspective, ideas that are different. And so it, it's it's about inclusion. It's not about either or. Um, that's Those are the two places. They don't listen. And there's this top-down experiential leadership model that just does not work. And it never works in the corporate, corporate world. I found that I found it very interesting. Me and you did a church in Virginia mm-hmm. and it was the complete opposite of anything I've witnessed yeah. when involving the youth. And you had it wasn't even like the age gap was really severe in the sense that you had most of the adults were like grandparents. Yep. It wasn't like they were guys in their 30s and their 40s. They were mostly... 55 and up. Yeah, 55 and up. And the kids were like 15 and down. And I found it very interesting that you had open-hearted adults. Yep. And you had open-hearted kids who were willing to listen because the adults were willing to give and not hammer... You don't do it like this. This is how not to do it. We yeah. don't do it like this here. You can do that. And 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 being able to glean from the kids because the kids are on their devices more than the adults. Yeah. So they were able to glean from each other, which led to a great tandem of learning for both parties that allowed the ministry to move forward because both sides were so giving, but it came from the adults first who were open armed and tried to involve these kids. So what do you say to that? I was, I I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I was, it's, it's one of the, I would say it's one of my proudest projects. Um, and I still work with them. Um, it makes me proud because for many years there was a pet peeve to utilize. I'm always, when I'm speaking at some type of event or conference or workshop about utilizing young people for the first time, I found an organization that was open to trying it. And I said to them, let's put the young people as the team and let's use the adults as only guiding mentors only. And you have lead people in those departments, but the implementers are uh, young people. And I use a few examples. Um, if you're not aware, uh, for those who are military, since it's you know around M- Memorial Day, um, the military fits a similar model. The United States military, which is the strongest military in the world, is built around a model where the guys on the ground are teenagers. They're 18 to 25. Mm-hmm. Been right. like that for 100 years. And the next level up um, are more people who used to be on the ground and, and they train now, right? And they, uh, they are your officers. And mm-hmm. then your strategic like Pentagon people who are the, the generals and, and whatnot at the highest level are more elderly statesmen type of people um, who strategize. They only strategize. They're never on the ground. They're, they don't train directly. They just strategize. That model has worked. Um, and that's the model that I explained to them first. And I happen to have a leader in there who was a retired military guy who got that. And secondly, the senior pastor um, is a man who's not only very open-minded, but he came from a huge organization 
previously before he was the pastor. And he saw the utilization of young people. And then lastly, he has a daughter that's 14. So he understands because his daughter's one of the young people in the um, in that group. So I was able to pull it off because I had two leaders, two senior leaders that are, are upper level uh, leaders who understood enough to try. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I was training and they hired me as a consultant and I said, well, this is my this is my mission. This is my vision for this organization. Try it. If it doesn't work, we'll scratch it and do something else. So that's that's how we got there. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic because they do work very closely together. Um, the older people still plan. They still help to um, encourage the young people. They sit there with them. They have good relationships with them. Um, they talk with them. They debrief. You know, it's it's so much in there, um, and they've learned that the, the the young people are picking up some things in a different way. That that it's not that they couldn't do it by being older, but it's just they see the value of in, investing the time into. And 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 more young people have come into the church because the church doesn't have a lot of young people or didn't, and now their friends are starting to come. So. It's a really cool thing how the media ministry can help grow young people even coming to church. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And, and you know, because it, it's, it's wrapped around technology. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, they, they were born into this information age. Yes, they're familiar with it. You know, they're, they're, fa- they're, they're Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're familiar with it. So it's not foreign to them. For them to pick up things is a lot quicker because they used to dealing with devices and software all the time. So it's yeah, a matter yeah. of, it's a matter of implementation yeah. and how, when, and way and how you do things in a professional manner and they can replicate it because they do it all the time. They replicate they every single day. Yeah. Um, there's, I have to admit, um, I know for, for them, for the older people, but for me, um, I've learned a tremendous amount and still every day, learn a tremendous amount. Um, that's kind of like the proof in the pudding <laughs> to my resume and to a lot of the success that we've had as an organization <laughs> because I actually, not only myself, but my teammates who are you know young adults and adults, we've built our organization um, to be you know mentorship-based where people that come through our program, they end up learning and growing and those who can come back or stay around mm-hmm. mentor more, even virtually from other places, they'll come right. in, they'll, they'll mentor. And then I have people that come like annually who mentor for a short amount of time. And then they just, we keep bringing them back. And I have um, what I would call, I'll call it A-list people. I have a group of A-list people who have bought into the concept of my organization and they come back and they pour into the kids. I'm saying that because, there are several times when as an organization, we made what I call a pivot where we're going in one direction and we just shift the entire direction of where we're going with our vision mm. because of something that came from one of the young people mm. or something that they saw that I didn't see or that I didn't think about. Um, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, now, especially with the pandemic, I think anyone who does not take advantage of young people helping them now is not using wisdom because first of all young people we've complained about it but they they live they live on social media they've lived on communicating with phones and tablets virtually 
um, for a significant amount of their day. And so there's so many things that people need to learn about just how to interact online and how to interact virtually. Just, just that's the simple version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, I mean, we find ourselves asking like Instagram stories and um, TikTok and how to integrate videos, even down to the lighting, um, how to do um, how to use a phone, but have the right angles with the lighting on a phone when you don't have expensive equipment. The young people have been doing this for years. They've been right. taking selfies and right. doing videos and sharing with lighting. I mean, something as simple as that, low budget lighting with low budget cameras to virtually connect. Young people are, they're masters of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, taking pictures. Taking oh, yeah. pictures. Editing pictures using free resources online to communicate because they don't they haven't had money. So they had to use free resources. So mm-hmm. they're, they're experts. So the reality is, um, I say the church is like, especially now that people money is scarce and you gotta find free resources, like call your grandson. I mean, like <laughs> it sounds crazy. And, and and I've seen you know people try and say, Wow, I couldn't they helped me get on zoom you know what i mean and they didn't know how to do it you know or i mean something simple like uh, let, let me let me speak to something that's a little more profound like from the church so you have people who are not on computers that are older all right they just they just don't use computers that's right that, that's just it and so right now you can't go to church and so they don't have a computer they don't even own one right and they don't have a smartphone so you're like, wait a second, <laughs> where does this leave things, right? So simply partnering with young people to just help get them set up. For example, I helped one church understand, uh, and they put this into motion, to take their um, deacons, right? Because no knows they love the deacons. <laughs> Back on the Sunday school story, I'm going to get they love the deacons. So the deacons um, literally called every single elderly member to find out what they have, what they don't have. Do you have internet? Do you have a computer? Like, do you have anything, right? Mm-hmm. It relates to virtual engagement. And and they there's a number. Here's how many members don't have it. And um, so what I told them is, well, look, it's not that much money. I mean, we put all these money into people taking all these trips out of town and don't come back with anything, but you can get a Roku for 30 bucks. So spend the money. If you have, they found out they had like less than a hundred members. Yo, spend, buy the Roku's for these elderly people, right? Have the young people go or the set it up. have them go hook it up at the house and then put the YouTube channel of the church on the favorite. So they click one button and there you go. So, I mean, but that's very profound because those are people who have been disconnected from their church, literally, right? right? And so media media ministry right now is probably the most profound ministry right now. Oh, it is, without hands hands down. It is. And and so from a perspective of not using young people, I think is the biggest mistake you can even think about. Uh, And then secondly, um, not helping them or giving them the opportunity to partner with you to mm-hmm. share, you know, and, and right. we they even had it to the point where they started to get young people and members to literally just go visit an older member while church is on and stream it on their phone so they could just see it. stuff like that, you know. But <laughs> hey, listen, I can tell you this: 
my mother-in-law, she swore she would never, she didn't want nothing to do with Facebook, right? She want, she didn't want nothing to do with Facebook. This pandemic, so I'm on, I'm on, I'm on the book. You know, I put up my, you know, I put up my daily good vinyl mornings, and I see like, boop, I see my mother-in-law chime in, and I'm just like, so my wife, I was like, why is mommy on um, Facebook? And you know why? You know why? Because her church <laughs> is on was, Facebook. Was on Facebook. And they get on it, and they get on it, and yeah. so it's pushed. You know, the seniors to engage in technology. Yeah, this is a this is a great teaching moment for youth to be able to 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 bond with the generation two two generations behind them. Yeah, and it allows for the elderly to be able to have visitation at yeah. the same time. So yes. it's it's threefold. It is, and so on the flip side of that, now I think is where I think where we've had the most success with understanding the need of utilizing young people. So it's to the point where I mean, the majority of people in my organization who even work with us and train other people are younger. What I learned um, personally was that on the flip side, young people need older people. And I'm not talking about the parents. So I've saved so much money and so much headache by listening to older, in my case, men, older men, um, who have just showed me certain ropes and um, saved me time with money, with buying a house, with keeping up with things, with parenting, uh, with my career, um, with history, with understanding culture, understanding my um, surroundings. Uh, the list goes on. The list goes on and on and on. I'll give you one example. Um, I was putting water in my radiator to my auto mechanic guys. Y'all know what that means. <laughs> don't. Um, the car was running hot and you know the cheap way of doing it before you have the money is putting water uh, into, into a vehicle. So I was doing it to one of my, the, uh, the vehicle I was driving, we have several, but one of them, it was the radiator was going bad. But long story short, one of the older guys came over. One of the same ones that I helped out before at a church, he saw me in the parking lot doing this. What's going on with the car? And blah, 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 blah. Lo and behold, this guy was a certified um, high level mechanic. Um, and so he did the same thing to me that I did to him. He said, do me a favor. Um, I can tell, he said, I'm not even gonna open that hood. You need another radiator. He said, <laughs> he said call this number and go pick up a used radio, radiator. Or not used, but pick up a lower cost radiator and then call this number because I want you to meet my grandson. So he did the same thing. He sent me to a younger person. So I went over there, his grandson said, hey, my grandfather, said you you need some help and take care of you and blah 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 this guy fixed my truck fixed my radiator showed me how to do it um showed me how to do some preventative stuff with my vehicle um and sent me on my way then came back helped fix my daughter's car um but this all came from relationship mm. that's what i'm getting to. we miss out younger people right miss out because there are valuable tools that experienced older people can give to save them time and headache so it's not only about utilizing young people it's about the exchange so many uh, older people feel like they're not valued or that they're not needed anymore 
Right. Um, but young people want to hear from them. They they have a strong desire to have mentorship, to have mm-hmm. um, feedback. They love the time, you know. And so I think it's just really a big misunderstanding where they think that young people are a headache and really they can be helpful and they need you. You might find out, find out having a great relationship, connecting those parts. Uh, right. Because churches also have a problem with their elderly ministries. And I'll, I'll get off that train, but it's... <laughs> It's the truth, you know. So we we all need each other. That's really what this yeah, is. About. We serve each other. We so serve we each other. We all need each other. I have things that I can help people to do. Right. There are things that I need help with, and I, as long as I can humble myself to listen and learn, then I'll get further in life. And and a lot of things that you were batting out my resume is from listening and being adaptable and humble and having the right attitude when I was in the room. It wasn't because I was the smartest or the best musician or whatever else the people have been saying. It's been because I try to leave an impression on people that I care about them and I've tried to bring value to people and it comes back. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. People don't know how much you know till they know how much you care. Yeah, that's what it's about, man. So what advice would you give a church who is dilly-dallying or on the fence or I'm not sure or how to involve youth into my uh, my ministry or they're not responding or like what, what advice would you give them? Well, um, for the church that is very, very hesitant, I, I give them steps. The first step is to, and I know that some will not take this one the right way, but I think it's helpful. Um, I call it the chicken rule. The what rule? Chicken. Chicken. The chicken rule. Oh wow! You okay. gotta start with the chicken rule. Okay, I'm, I'm, um, my interest is peaked. Stay with me. <laughs> in every, in every area, a church is going to be located within some type of regional surrounding a college, right? Whether it's a community college, a major college, there are colleges all across the country. All right. And what the church misses out on is that you have people who are there who have traveled from different parts of the country and they're away from their family. So go to the college, talk to the department, um, media department, um, career department, or the student activities department. Every college has a student activities department where they know where the different um, students are involved and invite some kids out to come to help you. Don't invite them to come to your church. That's the that's not the right step because some of these churches are not set up to be attractive to young people. That's another Amen, Amen again. Amen. Another Amen. conversation that we will not open. <laughs> but invite them to come help. And what you can do, you can do it formally. We've done it. Uh, I, I know you remember. We yeah, had yeah. We had so the university. Start yes. a program with media to say, make it formal, write a paper, go to the student activities department uh, or the media department or the department that has media or music department or both and put up an internship, right? So put up for internship, just that's it. And then they'll come, say internship, say, look, let them know you need help. But just... Give them chicken. Just give the college students chicken. If you give them chicken, they will continue to come. That's all you have to do. That's how you get college kids involved. Trust me, after the first one eats chicken, 
They're going to call their friends and they're going to find out, well, what do they want? Well, I'm helping them with cameras. Oh, okay. I got a camera guy. Help. They gave us chicken. What? I'm telling you, it sounds crazy. <laughs> Just call me out on it. Try it. And before you know it, like this one church in Newport News, we had 50 volunteers between the ages of 18 and 22. It was so bad that we had kids coming that we didn't have anything for them to do because it was too many of them. Because we weren't even, we were feeding them sandwiches actually, but it started as chicken. So um, yeah, it got that bad where like even to this day, there are two or three of them who have graduated and moved on and they still text me and say, hey, I've got some new college students that are in. They want to know if you have anything over at that church for them to do. It's that bad. So I would start there. Um, I intentionally did not say to start with the young people who are in your church because the ones that are in their church, there's a reason they're not involved. There's probably something that's been that's going on. So it's easier to start with some young people who don't go there. And then the other ones, they'll come around. But I will begin with college students. That's the first step. And then I will work downward. Wow. You know, you know what's crazy? I remember those kids we brought in for internship. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? They still contact me to this day. Yeah. Do you remember Annette? Yes. Know, okay. You know, Annette is a producer at a television station right now. She actually moved on in media. She produces at a television station in Ohio. Wow. And we invited her to help with media at the church. I right. could give four examples, plenty of them, but yeah. Wow. So before we get out of here, let's, um, let's talk about EMA and what is EMA? Okay, EMA, E stands for Earlene, my mother, um, Earlene's Music and Arts. And so EMA is an organization that is really a, a, a out, it's a brainchild of what I was doing in the church. So when you and I were together at that church, you remember we helped kids at the Boys and Girls Club. You remember That's that? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Also helped kids um, to create their own expressive uh, works, which ended up being like crunk dance. Remember they were doing a crunk oh, dance? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember that vividly. <laughs> but we allowed them to do it. You remember that, right? Yes. So uh, and then we brought the TV broadcast to. Right. Right, exactly. Right. And then right. we had the internship program, right? Right. And then these are all things that did not exist. I'm saying that because I want people to understand that the church didn't have any of those things. When I came there, I implemented them and I stuck around to make sure that I was committed to making these things happen. Right. We also had a, a uh, we started a group of college kids who assistant MD, bass player, guitar player, drummer. You right. Remember right. Stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. and during rehearsals, they would interact. I had an internship program where I was helping college students to become better music directors. Right. Right. Um, all of those things. So EMA um, became later what that looks like. All right. We have a huge summer camp. We have a facility in New Purdue. Over 250 kids come there. We have drums. We have a drum lab with drum sets, electronic drums, um, Afro-Cuban, Latin drums. We have a keyboard lab where every kid learns piano, they learn how to play by ear, they learn how to um, read music, and they learn jazz too. Uh, we have a studio where kids can learn how to record. We have a live audio setup where they can learn how to do live audio. We have a computer lab where they can learn video or audio editing and coding. And we have a game room. Fun, we have a game room, play foosball, air hockey, hang out, write music, and we help them with DJing. 
beginner DJing. It's not trying to be DJ. <laughs> they might want to do that. But it's more, I mean, we have kids doing DJing. So it's basic, you know, turntable type of stuff. You know, the the, the simple, not the $5,000 boards. Like, that's right. not what it is. It's about fun. It's about having fun at a young age with music. Because some kids don't want to play guitar or mm-hmm. Right. Most of the kids are not in the band at their school. Some of them are. We help kids get in college. Uh, we've helped kids get over 600000 in college scholarships. That's our, uh, we're really proud about that. And EMA has a masterclass series. You know, we got to bring you in. Uh, but we bring in A-list artists and professionals to share. So we've had the likes of Anthony Brown, Jonathan McReynolds, people who have um, been uh, at the top of the game, Grammy artists. Um, we've had um, news people. We've had millionaires come, several, to talk about just business. We've had um, managers come. We've had an entertainment attorney come two different years to share about contracts, publishing, all that stuff. So we, it's, it's EMA is really like bringing the industry to the kids, right? Um, and then pouring into them. And since we're in an area that's Virginia, it's not New York, it's not DC, it's not Atlanta, Chicago, because those places have like the Duke Ellington School of the Arts and right. you know, NYU is right not far from you. So there are programs that are similar to that, but they're still not like EMA because they're not the life skills part. And they are really for kids who are very, very serious. We go from hobby kids to kids that just want to engage with other people and kids who want life skills. And then the internship program, none of those schools have internship programs like ours, where we hire kids to come back. We work with the city. Um, and so each year we reach over a thousand kids. 250 come in person. Um, another 250 are kids that we, we go out like we bring a small version of EMA to like a church or to a community center. And then another 500 are on virtually through our online um, programming. So there, it, it goes from beginner to just want to have fun the whole way to prepping them to go to college or helping them to get to a school. I keep talking about NYU because two of our kids um, received a top slot at the Clive Davis Music Business School in, at NYU. Wow. And, uh, they were chosen over 5,000 kids. At NYU, they um, were able to go to uh, the Tonight Show. They went to Justin Bieber concert with engineers, um, had a great time. And one of them ended up being in the, our group that uh, debuted on in the top five on the Billboard. So uh, we have some some good results. We have kids who have gone on to record records and do indie stuff and produce and work at news stations. Some of them worked at radio stations. So that's what EMA is. That's what I'm doing uh, full time and I have and we consult churches. We consult churches, we come in and we help to train. Uh, and they, we also do uh, festivals. We help, um, like here, the Rejoice Festival, that has about 6,000 people that come there. We have our own EMA stage where young people have stayed. They never did that before. But because of our organization, they created a stage. We partner with the radio stations here and um, they all, you know, they come out to our concerts whenever we have an artist. Um, they'll always come interview or they'll come host our events. So we really are now a community light. Uh, so the schools look at us, the industry looks at us, the radio stations look at us, the church look at us as a outlet that's positive for kids. And But it took a few years. It didn't happen overnight. It took us, this is like year seven for us. So it, it, did, it was very small beginning. We started with, you know, <laughs> as you remember, we started uh, in uh, a small, small, yes. two keyboards. And yeah. like 
appearance sitting at a couch. It's very simple. It yeah. just grew. It grew with heart. It grew with um, people helping. And uh, we're really excited about the work. And so now we have to pivot again, where we're taking EMA more virtually, where we're offering um, just more to the schools, to people um, that are remote. But we've been remote for about three years. Wow. Wow. So, so how can people get in touch with you, man? Real um, E-M-A, like every Mary Apple, E-M-A musiclessons.com. Um, if you're there, if you're an adult and want training, we help people to learn how to be better worship leaders, how to be better um, ministers of music, people that want to refine their playing, learn how to play piano more. Most of our teachers are MDs or producers. They tour or their ministers of music at a church. So um, you can get a, there's plenty of adult training. Um, and then if you have kids ages five and up, college age as well, um, we train in all those areas that I, I listed. So emamusiclessons.com. Um, there's a form, uh, just hit the sign up page, or if you're an adult, hit the adult music lessons page. That's the best way. Um, you can also, if you're a school person, you can check out our other platform, GrooveCoders.com. That's for schools. And that's the platform where teachers can use um, students. You can sign up like 50 to 100 students at a time. But that's for our, our school products only if, if you are an educator. Because the, the regular EMA doesn't fit for schools because they want a, they have a lot of parameters. So mm-hmm. it's just for that. Um, that's how you can reach us. Um, IG, um, Real EMA Live. Uh, I didn't talk too much about the group, but Real EMA Live. So R-E-A-L E-M-A L-I-V-E. That's the handle on Instagram. Check out realemalive.com as well. That's our group that debuted in the top five in gospel billboard charts. They came out of the EMA program. We use that as our Instagram space. Um, it's doing well. And we always connect in EMA World. That's the newest one. EMA World is our new Twitch channel. So for those who want to get... Um, you know, interviews and interviews we do with radio people and artists, our new Twitch channel, um, and that's twitch.tv. Um, or you just put Twitch and then put EMA World, it'll come up. That's our new um, streaming platform. So those, those are the three ways you can get us. But you Google my name, Joshua Head, one of those things will come up anyway. Well, you've heard it all. We've explained it all. Now it's time for you, the leaders and pastors and leaders to implement. Um, if you need some help, we can definitely help you with your, with your situation and help you move into the future. Um, dust off some of the, you know, your old way of thinking and um, get you moving in the right direction. Um, we're here to help. And I just want to thank my my guest and my staying brother. Yes. True brother. I appreciate it, man. Um, for being on the show. And um I just want to say um, thanks, brother. Thanks for being a friend. Yes. Um, thanks for being a real friend. And I appreciate that. But as we say in part and always, keep God first in everything you do. We'll see you next time on the Church Sound Podcast. God bless. See you later.